To start off with, I'm going to ask you a question. The question is, whose vision statements are these? These are from churches, by the way. Um, so they're church vision statements. And most people probably know all of these church or have heard of them. Um, I'm not going to give you any clues. So let's start with the first one. To create a vibrant family of hope-filled believers who deeply experience love and presence of God and partner with Jesus to express the joy and power of his kingdom in every area of life. Okay. You reckon it's Hillsong? Anyone else want to have a guess? Catalyst? Let's no one else. Go on. Who do you reckon it is? Bethel. Oh, I'm not giving any clues. Okay, next one. Next one. Let's have a look at the next one. To make disciples of people and multiple, multiply disciple-making churches. Hillsong again. Any other? Bethel. <laughs> I'll give you a clue, Jim. You're going to get two right. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Okay, next one. To see our city, nation, and nations, and the nations become disciples of Jesus. Our mission is loving God, loving people, disciples that multiply. Oh, someone actually got that one right. Bethel, you reckon? Okay. It is Crossway. I was going to say, you've got inside information, so that's not fair. But um, uh, oh, by the way, you, some, some people may have been right with the first couple, but we'll keep going anyway. Okay, the next one. Share the gospel Make disciples of Jesus and glorify God in everything we do. Any other guesses? A church? Correct. Next one. There's two more. Reach and influence the world by building a large, Christ-centered, Bible-based church, changing mindsets and empowering people to lead and impact in every sphere of life. Hillsong, Bethel, you're, you're both wrong. That's okay. Last one. To be a biblically functional community of believers so Christ's redemptive purposes can be accomplished in the world. Can you tell me, of these vision statements, which one would not apply to Catalyst? Ah, oh, they're all saying the same thing. That's really interesting. Imagine that. Uh, you can give them the answers now, Catherine. So BCOC is Berwick Church of Christ. NWB is Narry Warren Baptist Church. I threw a couple of local ones in there. Willow Creek is the last one. It's really, it's really unusual that, and, and this, is, this is quite interesting because churches can spend six to 12 months working on their vision statement, working on trying to encapsulate in some words something that can unite the church together, that we can all stand together and, and represent something together. And yet when you look at them, you realize they're all actually saying very similar things. They all actually are saying the same thing. Uh, not, not exactly the same thing, but flavors of the same thing. And there's a reason for that. There's a really, really good reason for that. Does anyone want to guess what it is? It's one church. They came from the same place. There is one body and one Lord. And so it makes sense, those who want to follow Jesus, to actually follow Jesus. Sounds strange, doesn't it? And so there's this sense that, that there is actually only one church that follows Jesus. And, and sure, we muck it up and there's sometimes we don't follow particularly well. But at the heart, there is this one desire to follow Jesus. And Jesus actually set this up and he explained this. He said this in John 14, 26. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you. 
But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So sometimes we can get a bit confused with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's job is actually to help us focus on Jesus and what Jesus taught and what Jesus' heart was and what what the Father's heart was for people. And so it makes sense that, that as a church and as a group of churches and churches all around the world, we're actually, hopefully, on the same wavelength. The thing is, there's then the flip side of this coin. So there's the one, the body, the followers of Jesus, all on the same page. And yet, there is also a sense of being unique and valued and unrestricted as an individual. And this is where we can start getting messed a little bit. Because sometimes we can, we can lean on the, the, the big church thing and we can sit back and go, they didn't tell me to do it, so I'm not doing it. Not my problem. Church's problem. Those leaders, they're misled and, and wandering off over there and it's all a bit of a mess. And yet on the flip side, there is actually now as a result of being followers of Jesus, unrestricted access to God directly. You don't have to go through the church to experience God. You don't have to come to church to know what God's saying. You don't have to come to church to to receive something. You don't need prayer from me. You can pray yourself. You don't have to do that through the church. And so we've got two sides of the one coin. One is that the, the church is united following Jesus as Lord, as Savior, one body united in Him. On the flip side, it's a group of people that are actually unique and individually crafted by God with intention and purpose that He wants to individually know. And sometimes those two things can, can create a bit of tension. Sometimes those things can create a little bit of um, angst. And they can sometimes clash, but they weren't designed to be tense or to clash. They're actually designed to work in perfect harmony together. In 1 Peter 2.5, it says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We can kind of see the link between these two things. Individual stones. Individual, uniquely crafted stones that are actually part of something bigger a priesthood. So this then leads into a bunch of pictures that God uses. I think they're called metaphors for English people. That's my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong. So we have in that verse a royal priesthood. It's a description of what the church looks like. A holy nation. It's a little bit down in the same passage. God's family. Branches of a vine parts of a body, and a flock of sheep. These are all pictures of what disciples, followers of Jesus look like. And that's not Catalyst Church. That's much bigger than Catalyst Church, but we're part of that. There's a bunch of interesting things about all these pictures. First of all, they're all alive. Really important. They're all alive. They're all alive. A second interesting thing is, They're all actually pointing to one thing. So a flock of sheep is following a shepherd. Parts of a body are united for one function. And it says, you know, you can't separate the parts of the body. You can't cut a hand off and it have any function. Branches of a vine 
only function heading towards the vine itself. Family only functions when it's focused on, on the, the headship and, 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 I guess, the father. A holy nation and a royal priesthood, again, are focused on, on, a, on a direction, on an intention. So we've got this, this balance between the individual and the group, the corporate group. There's a, there's a match between those two. I want to read a verse for you. Paul really wrestles with this in a beautiful way in Philippians 3, starting at verse 7. You don't have to look it up. You can just listen. But So as an individual, who are you pursuing? Who are you chasing after? What's important to you? It's Christ. The church doesn't need to do that for you. That's an individual relationship with the Father. Yeah? So I'm just going to start. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, it's important to know here the word know. There's two sorts of the words know. So does anyone know who the Prime Minister of Australia is right now? Scott Morrison. Okay. Do you know Scott Morrison? Personally, no. Good, good answer. Yeah. So you know Scott Morrison is the Prime Minister of Australia, but you don't know Scott Morrison. And that's the difference here. There's knowledge that's, that you, you can know something, and there's knowing in terms of having a personal experience, a personal understanding to be able to testify of what something is and to know. And this, this, in this case, each time Paul uses the word know, it's the second one. He doesn't just know Christ. He doesn't just read Scripture and go, I've heard about this guy Jesus and I know him. He actually knows Christ. So I'm going to read that again. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So at this point, we've got a pretty individual sort of perspective, haven't we? As an individual, Paul is going, I'm letting go of everything and I am pursuing God, pursuing Christ. I want to know him. I want to know his power. As an individual, this is my agenda. This is my vision. This is my heart. I'm not letting anything get in the way of that. No person, no church, no circumstance, no relationship, no sickness, no nothing is going to get in the way of my desire, my heart to follow Christ. But he doesn't stop there. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, 
And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. It's a beautiful picture of not letting anything get in the way of what Christ is, what Christ is calling us to. But at the same time saying, let's not do this as individuals. Let's do it, as each of these pictures say, in unity. Those that are mature, showing the way to those that maybe are learning. Now, in terms of maturity, I was thinking about this. This is a bit of a tough one. Who would put their hand up and say they're mature in Christ? Yeah, not many people want to do that, do they? Maturing, yeah, oh, bit of an asterisk on the end of maturity, you reckon? It's a bit of a challenge. None of us want to call ourselves mature, do we? Because we've all got stuff to learn. Being aware of things to learn is actually a sign of maturity. Because <laughs> anyone that thinks they've got it all together, I can tell you now, is not mature. But the challenge is, we're talking about disciples that had three years with Jesus. Who's been a Christian for three years? Okay, you're on the mature end of the spectrum, right? This is, this is, a, bit cha- this is a, bit conf- a bit challenging, isn't it? You are on the mature end of the spectrum. You are an example. You are a, a pioneer. You are representing Christ to those around you. This is an exciting opportunity we have as a church to, to be a witness, to be God's hands and feet, to be love out in the world. As an individual with a heart and passion for Christ, but then coming together in unity.